Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of AGP. As always, I am your host. I am Amanda Gillum, also known as Lady Vader 79 and we welcome everybody back to AGP. Now, of course, AGP wouldn't be here without the amazing sponsors that we have, so let's take a moment and give them the shout-out that they deserve. So a big shout-out to Hazza Productions, and they're all ages comic, Peter Put It In Jelly, to Scott Comics, and they're all ages comic, our supermom, where yours truly is the ghost hunter superhero in the comic, to comic creator Mark Kidwell, you probably know him from Images 68 comic, a fantastic zombie comic, to the Champion City Comic Con coming to you on October 29th, the Gem City Comic Con coming to you March 24th and 25th, uh, 2018 at the Dayton Convention Center, and of course to the UVN, the Underground Video Network, one of our sisters and partners in crime and bringing you amazing content all around the tri-state area for the last 15 years. You can catch them over on YouTube. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you can also catch them over on their audio podcast. We talk too much every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And to Sean Forney Illustration, the creator of The Scarlet Huntress, his independent comic. Thank you guys so much for everything that you do. We greatly appreciate it. We couldn't be here without you, and we definitely wouldn't have been able to set up our Let's Play. Now, this person is a great friend of mine. He gets me into a lot of trouble because he's just like me. He speaks his mind. Neither of us have filters, and we say whatever the hell we damn well feel like saying. But he just came all the way back home from San Diego Comic-Con and still has the energy to put up with me. I want everybody to welcome my friend, Josh Warner. Hi, Josh! Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Good, good. And you know, everything I just said about you is completely true, so you can't deny it. Uh, You know what? I won't. If it makes me look good, I'm uh, good with that. So... So what are we doing tonight? We got uh, we we don't have the rest of the boys. They're uh, we don't have the rest uh, of the boys. We're just they're, gonna they're sit preoccupied. <laughs> they're always, he, he's, they're, you know, they're, we're probably trying to find Sean. He probably crawled into a little mouse hole hiding, and we got to find him. You know what? It's and you know this is a bit of a dovetail from your sponsors, but um, he uh, he is actually. Um, been he's actually hooking up with Charlotte and Garth uh Metters, uh Jeff ah. family. And they're <laughs> they're hooking up this evening for like dinner and just a, a visit and what whatnot. Garth's actually getting ready to go into college now, so Is he uh, really? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's got a he's got a scholarship to uh uh play ball at oh jeez, I don't remember what, what college it was, but yeah, he, he he's kids hooked up, so um, I wasn't think, he just an ankle biter? Wasn't he just an ankle biter? I was thinking about this earlier, and it was like, you know what? My daughter, who is now uh, going on 10, 9 going on 10, and I remember when she was like 2 years old, she had like the biggest crush on Garth, and he was like a preteen at that time. So, and 
so yeah, here he is. He's going into college. Kid's going to be uh, he's going to be redshirted his uh, freshman year for football, and you know they're going to spend that nice. time bulking him up and getting him ready to rock and roll. So you know, kudos to him. Uh, and yeah. of course, that all dovetailed from the obviously the Sean Forney connection, but also the '68 commit uh, connection there. So. Oh yeah. Like, geez, I can't believe he's going into college, man. I know. You know what this? I know. We got old. Well, <laughs> no, he did. <laughs> oh, we stayed the same age. He got I old. I stayed got the it. same. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> haven't matured. Uh, so you and Sean were just at San Diego Comic Con. Mm-hmm. How was that? Uh, you know what? It was a, it was a, it was a good show. Um, Comic Con is one of those things where. You know, you either, you know, as as a fan or, you know, you know, or attendee or a non-attendee, you either you either love it or hate it kind of a thing. Um and you got to really kind of look at it from from, you know, from a real perspective in terms of what it is. I mean, it's it's no longer I mean, it's it's called Comic-Con International, but it's not necessarily a comic convention anymore. Um, but you know, it's you know, it's it's got its on years and its off years for uh convention. Uh for Okay, the well let's let's, let's talk about let's talk about that term a comic convention. Because um, a lot of people nowadays honestly do believe that the words comic convention means basically the mul- it, it, it's it, these San Diego's, these Dragon Cons, these large huge shows, they think that those are comic book conventions. No, and, and where that you're you're exactly right because I mean every time you if you and and you know this from going to numerous conventions I mean you'll get uh you know I mean you you'll see all these even smaller conventions that are getting record turnouts in terms of their ticket sales and it's all because um when they see Comic-Con or hear an ad for Comic-Con or something for a comic convention they automatically assume that it's San Diego. You know what I mean? Or something like it. So yeah, or something along those lines. So you've got all these people that are come rolling in that are sitting there going, Woo, you know, and they're, you know, tweeting about it. I'm going to Comic Con this weekend in, you know, uh Podunk, Mississippi, you know? And it's you know, but it's like, no, that's not the same animal. However, I will to the credit of these uh, promoters, they do put on a show where people say, yeah, I'm coming back next year, even though it's not like the beast that like, you know, San Diego, San Diego is. Right. But they all, yeah, immediately when you hear Comic-Con, the vision, the, the, the image in everybody's head is, you know, what they've seen on the Spike TV or Sci-Fi Channel or MTV or back in the day G4, you know. Oh, I miss G4. You know what I mean? I mean that's, oh, I that's what they envision in terms of what Comic Con is. It's like, ooh, I'm going to bump into Johnny Depp or Angelina Jolie. Yeah, no, no you're, you're not. Not. <laughs> not. Not at not at Mid Ohio. You know. No, you're not. But the thing is, is you and I and a lot of other people that are like us, we hear comic book convention or a comic con, and to us it actually means something different. It means a convention celebrating the comic creators. Right, right. Well, and and that's really, to some degree, gone by the wayside, 
but you know, and I in numerous conversations with the boys, you know, I really think it's I think that the quote unquote the Comic Con is really going to make it make a comeback. I think you're going to see a huge surge in in independent books. You know, not not necessarily to the same degree as what we saw in the '90s, uh, but you're going to see a huge surge in in the independents. You know, the small press guys. You're going to see a huge surge in in uh, you know uh, you know artists in Artist Alley really cranking some stuff out and and doing well for themselves and stuff because I think that with the um, with the uh, the incorporation, if you will, of the uh, larger companies, you're gonna, you know, people are just gonna. Oh, why am I gonna buy a comic book when I can just go see the movie? Right. See, this is where kind Hollywood's gonna get all their, where Hollywood needs their fresh start, needs new ideas. Come to the independent creators. They have your fresh start and your new ideas, well, darling. And, and, and in all fairness, I mean, it's not like they haven't. It's not like they haven't tapped that in the past. You right. Know, I mean, take a look at, you know, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Road to Perdition, mm-hmm. you know, uh, The Crow, um, uh, History of Violence, uh, even The Matrix to some degree. You know, I mean, you've got well, a lot of Well, originally Spawn, Spawn was an independent, Spawn. Image was an independent comic company for the longest well, time. yeah. See, image in its in its heyday, i.e., you know when they started. I don't know if I would really call them "quote unquote" an independent company back then. Technically, technically they were because they well, weren't yeah. DC and weren't Marvel. Well, yeah, but you could also say that so was Dark Horse, Top Cow, Kitchen Sink, all that. You know, all those guys. You know, but you know, I mean, Dark Horse is you know again, you know, Dark Horse. You got uh, what three hundred and um, Sin City and stuff came out of them. Well, hell, you know? for the longest time, Dark Horse had the entire Star Wars franchise. Right, right. Well, yeah, but that was obviously all after. And to be honest, Marvel had it first. So <laughs> Marvel had it first. Dark Horse had a second. Marvel has it now. <laughs> but I, but 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 the point point being is that you've got this. Uh, you know, it, it it's the the Marvel DC thing. And and again, I mean, I'm not this. Nothing against Marvel and DC, but you know, in in from my perspective, anyways, for whatever that's worth, you know, it's definitely pushing the you know the the motion picture side of things. Um, I mean, I can go on all day about that stuff, but you know, it, it's it's they're you know they're they're de- it's almost like the comics to some degree are a bit of a. A uh, bit of a, a side note or an afterthought, even. And, well, I'll give Marvel you know, credit to. I'll give Marvel credit for movies. I ain't giving DC credit for any well, movies. So far. Well, you know what? No. Well, see, and I've always said this. It's like Marvel's got it figured out when it comes to the theatrical uh, motion pictures, but DC has got it down when it comes to the small screen. Their animated stuff is so much better. Well, yeah, I mean the the, the straight to video and even the TV shows. I mean Arrow, Flash, Supergirl. I mean those are solid shows, you know. Supergirl uh, like was tomorrow. fantastic. But, last but Marvel absolutely, you know, to some degree, freaking tanked it with Agents of Shield. You know. Which so, I am I mean, going to say, I'm a little nervous for the new Thor movie coming out. Hmm. I'm nervous about this new Thor movie. Really? 
Look I don't at know. it. I mean, it, it's not a Thor movie. They are bringing in the Planet Hulk storyline. Right. Well, I mean, the, you got to have a Hulk and Thor movie because they weren't there in Civil, Civil War. Yeah, true, but it still it still makes me a little nervous that they are taking the uh, Thor Ragnarok storyline and the Hulk. Planet Hulk storyline and mashing them together. It makes me a little nervous because let's face it, the last mashup we had was Batman versus Superman, and that was oh oh my god. Let's and that's all I can say about that because I'm just what the hell. You know what the it, 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 it's it's funny because you know what this goes back to the sucker punch conversation with Jay. <laughs> um, it, it's one of those things where you, you sit back and you say, okay. Because I, you know, I went and saw the uh, the Batman versus Superman movie in the theaters, and I go, oh my goodness, they just jammed way too much into one movie. I mean, you've got you've got Death of Superman, you've got The Dark Knight Returns, you've got uh, what was it, Batman versus Al Qaeda. You know, you've oh. got all this stuff that's kind of mashed in together, and and to be honest, I mean, the movie was. Seriously, for all the stuff that they wanted to accomplish in that one movie, literally, they DC tried to do in what in one movie what Marvel did in seven. I know. You know, and you know, to honestly, to their credit, and this goes back to the whole sucker punch uh, 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 point is you can't just watch it once and say, "Wow, this is this is." Awful. I mean, you really no, got to kind of, you know, you get, that. and 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 you got to watch it numerous times and say, okay, yeah, I understand what they're doing, you know, from from the from the standpoint of trying to, uh, you know, of, of storytelling. Um, you know, did they do a good job of it? No, I I don't think they did. Um, and I think they're. I mean, I really think they're rushing it. But on the flip side, I mean, if DC. In, again, my opinion, for whatever it's worth, if they really wanted to do a legit Justice League movie, I think what they should have done was turned around and you know just literally did what Marvel did in in reverse, where Marvel did the movies and then turned around and did a TV show to tie some things together in between the movies. I think what DC should have done was start, you know, do the TV shows, start tying it together, and then have it come to a head in the movie. And literally have, you know, your, you know, have your, you know, have a, who's a guy, Tom something or other from Smallville. You know who I'm talking about? Um, crap. Whatever, the the kid that played Superman in Smallville thing and then do the arrow thing Tom, and do the what's that? Tom Welling? Yes, Tom Welling. You know, you you have him, he's Superman. You have Stephen Amell's uh uh arrow and uh whoever what's the kid's name that does the flash and all those and and turn around and build up build up their story, you know, their background story, their their origins in the T V show and then turn around and go to the big screen for the Justice Justice League movie. I mean that I think that would have been legit. Yeah, 
Even though I have to say, after watching last season of Supergirl, uh, Tyler, how do you pronounce his name? Holchin? Holchlin? I don't know how to pronounce his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, he's I, like I, I don't such know. a fantastic different. Oh, you oh, gotta watch yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, but but again, I mean, it's that's you know, it's all a matter of direction, and and again, it's I think that um, you know what, and they're they're obviously telling much different stories on TV than what they are in the movies. And the thing is, is that the DC at DC or Warner Brothers, since they're the ones who own DC, um, they basically have said though that they're keeping them separate, so there is no tie-in from their television series to their movies or vice versa. They may throw in some Easter eggs, but there's no actual tie-in between the two, mm-hmm. which. I don't think that's a brilliant idea, but let them, you know, they're going to do what they want to do. Um, I also don't agree with the fact that the first thing they're going to do is like, hey, we're going to have a Justice League movie and, you know, all signs point to dark side. Really, you're just going to bring out the biggest gun you have in the DC universe as your villain and just go with it. Seriously? That's- well, in, in all fairness, I mean, who else are you going to have to, what do you have for a property that's going to go up against uh, Thanos in terms of bad guys? You know, yeah, again, but, you know, Marvel's Marvel's got they've got the head start on this. They've got the jump on the whole, you know, movie thing. You know, I mean, DC's been doing the the individual movies, and it wasn't until years after Marvel started really piecing things together in in the movies that you know DC said, "Oh, wait a minute, look at how much money these guys are making." Kind of a thing. I know, but it's just like um, if you go back to the animated series of the Justice League. Um, you know, they had, they brought them together, not by bringing out the big gun of, uh, dark side. They took something that was still something that could affect the entire world, like Starro, which brought right. them together. Right. And you have, and I mean, if they, if they, I mean, I get it. They're not totally trying to copy off of Marvel, but in the same point they are. And it, oh no, they're, I mean, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to do the, they're trying to work the same equation with less, uh, with less uh, variables, you know? Right. The thing is, is you bring, like, lovely, the lovely thing that Marvel did was they're like, okay, we know Thanos is the big bad. We're going to set everything up, and the ending is going to be they're going to go up against Thanos. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. You know, but they've given us enough villains, other than the fact that, yeah, uh, Iron Man 3 getting everybody excited for the Mandarin and going, nope, man, everybody went, screw you. That was like the biggest slap in the face, which again, it was a brilliant move, but then it was a major slap in the face because let's face it, the Mandarin is a fantastic character and I really wanted to see him on the big screen. But they've brought you a bunch of different small key people. You know, Tom Huddleston's portrayal of Loki is just fantastic. And it's just put, it's, it's like a game of chess that Marvel's playing and they've got this great checkmate coming up where mm-hmm. it's like he sees the rat in a maze constantly trying to find the cheese and they just can't get to it they just really can't get to it and i'm not saying that every dc movie that they've brought out has been a complete flop but they've had so many bad i mean even wonder woman was actually a decent movie mm-hmm. one of the best DC movies that they brought out do it still is nowhere the standard of where the marvel movies have been um, I was still slightly disappointed in it, and I honestly believe that so many people bought into the hype because it was a lead female character role that it got overhyped, for and people kind of 
passed over the actual key points of the movie from storytelling and things like that just to go, oh, but it's a female in the lead role. That's great. That doesn't always mean great things. Let's go back and look at Halle Berry as Catwoman. A lead female superhero isn't always the greatest thing in the world, people. It's just not. I have it to me. It doesn't matter if it's a male or a female in the lead. What matters to me is does it have a great storyline? Does it keep me captivated? Can you know? Does it make sense? If it doesn't hit those three things, and I don't care about the characters in the movie, I could care less who's in the lead role. Well, you know what? And I, I, I agree with you on the surface. On the flip side, I mean, you're really talking about the original uh, argument of, you know, it's, it's the same. It's the same old argument. It's Star Wars, Star Trek, Beatles, Stones, Marvel, DC. I don't know if you can. You can't really compare the two because it, they're apples and oranges. You know what I mean? Uh, DC has never. I mean, Marvel's always been an absolute beast when it comes to their character development and and origins and 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 what 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 the characters are in general i mean in in all fairness i mean you know uh dc from the get-go their character was like it was the the character was the superhero and then the the alter ego was kind of you know on the back burner whereas marvel for the most part, really put the alter ego, you know, in front and the superhero as, you know, kind of the the release, so to speak. You know, on um, you know, that the superhero itself was not necessarily the story driver. And that was that was in all fairness, that was the genius of Stan Lee was that he didn't just turn around and say, Okay, I got this great idea I mean you you'll you hear the you know, all the um uh, you know, the interviews and stuff where he's talking about, like, when he created Spider-Man kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I was reading, a, you know, there was this pulp book called The Spider, and I thought, you know, and I wanted a guy, I just wanted a superhero that could climb on walls, you know, and it couldn't be the fly guy, it couldn't be, you know, whatever, you know. There wasn't all this stuff, so he came up with the superhero, but then it he didn't stop there, you know. No. he didn't He didn't pull a Bob Kane and say, I want the Batman. You know, he said, I want, you know, Stan Lee turned around and said, I want the Spider-Man. But Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And he's got like a sickly Aunt May and his, you know, uncle died. And, you know, he's, you know, he's all, all torn up about being, you know, in his mind responsible for it and, you know, whatnot. I mean, there was a lot of thought put into the into these characters that Marvel created, whereas DC, and you got to, and you can't really, and again, this goes back to the apples and oranges thing. I mean, look at when when was when did Batman when was Batman created? When was Superman uh, created? When was Wonder mm-hmm. Woman created? Now, when was Spider Man created? Right. You know what I but, mean? When were the X Men yeah. created? I mean, you're talking about. Is- 20, 30 years difference. Oh, yeah. And the whole story is, you know, um, the story goes is Stanley was thinking that he was going to get fired. He was talking to his wife, and his wife basically gave him the 
mm-hmm. the guts to go, just make the comic that you want. And he came up with, and the two franchises that made Marvel what they are now today, of taking the look at the character, not just the superhero, but the person actually behind the mask, is Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four. Even though, have you ever actually read the very first Spider-Man? There's a typo in there. Not once, but twice. And what is it? He's Peter Palmer instead of Peter Parker, and they say it twice, I think it is. Mm -hmm. It's like, so is Peter Parker really Spider-Man, or is it really Peter Palmer? Who is he really? Is it is this a conspiracy for years? Ben Riley. (laughs) (laughs) But no, and and I get it. And yeah, there there always will be the whole is it DC or Marvel? Let's face it. Growing up, for me, growing up, it was DC because when I grew up, we had uh, the Super Friends. Right. So I was totally enamored. Like it was just so awesome. It was the first time I ever got to see Dark Side and Wonder Woman, and they're fighting. Well. Wonder Woman never really fought Darkseid. Wonder Woman was constantly getting kidnapped by Darkseid. But, hey, that was that was like a theme in the 1980s. All right, so we're going to have all these heroes. There's going to be one female. We're going to have the bad guy, and the bad guy's always after the female. Go. Write the next episode. Uh, so the same thing over oh, and over again. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. You know, in all fairness, though, I mean, and, and again, you know, because I've been watching a lot of Super Friends lately, you know, because of a project that I get coming up. But, uh-huh. um I've got yeah, <laughs> but the um no I mean it, it's you know it, it's funny because you, you you turn around and you immediately think wait a minute Super Friends they had you know or specifically let's go to the challenge of the Super Friends yeah well yeah that's Super Friends and the, that is, and the yeah, Legion that's of the Doom. Super Friends and the Legion of Doom yeah the challenge of the Super Friends and then you went on into um what was it they had the two teenagers and the dog uh wendy marvin and i can't remember the name of the dog yeah it wasn't gleek that was the other one no that was that <laughs> gleek was with uh zan, zan and Gina, Gina. The, uh wonder twin powers activate i get the right. power of an animal you get to be a bucket of water right exactly and, but it, but the thing is, is that like with the challenge of the super friends you're like oh they did the, um, you know, it, it was funny because I, you know, again, I was watching like I was watching the DVDs with some of the documentary stuff, and and they were talking about how like back then, um, I don't know if it was like, I don't know if it was like Alex Ross or Jeff Johns or whatever that was talking about it, but it was this thing about how like you know back then they didn't have the they didn't have quite the licensing agreements that they have now. Right. You know, or later and stuff, which, again, this actually kind of dovetails back into the San Diego thing. Um, So, like, Tony Isabella created, you know, co-created Black Lightning. Black Lightning, yeah. And Mm -hmm. apparently the story is that um, Hanna-Barbera wanted to get, you know, because they wanted to do, when they did the Super Friends, they wanted to do a, you know, a multicultural cast you know we want a black guy we want an asian guy we want an indian we want you know when i say indian i mean native american because i want to be non-pc um and then you know (laughs) obviously you got to have the woman and 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 whatnot and stuff and and then make green lantern super super tan uh so people think that maybe he's hispanic um but the um but you 
you've got they created this black Vulcan character, and the story was that apparently they because that was a point in time where they really started doing the uh you know the creator own thing where people you know like people had their own characters that and you know like they couldn't go to DC and say hey can we use Black Lightning in this in this you know in this Saturday morning cartoon and it was and I don't know whatever the reason was but apparently DC's like what hey we don't have the rights to that you know that's you know that's these creators created this character um, you got to talk to them, and and I don't know how it transpired or whatever. I'm pretty sure that they were, you know, it was basically going to be peanuts for the thing or whatever, whatever the deal may have been. But they basically said, no, you can't use them. So, right. so Hanna Barbera created Black Vulcan, and then they created Samurai, and then and then Apache Chief, you know, which. You know, but they they went out of their way to make this multicultural thing, which is, I mean, keep in mind, this is back in the 70s, you know, that they 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 really started with the with the PC stuff. But as far as the 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 women involved, I mean, take a look at the Legion of Doom. You know, you, you turn around and look back and you go, okay, look at the Justice League. Oh, there was only one girl on the team. There were two in the Legion of Doom. Mm-hmm. You know. And I'm not saying that that you know Hanna Barbera thought that women were evil by any means, but you know, no, no, no. It, it, they, 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 they the definitely had that, a good representation. And yeah, as a matter of fact, I think like, episode one starred, you know, the big, the two big stars were Bizarro and Cheetah. Mm-hmm. You know, so and, and it's actually funny because if you actually look at it, it's it's quite interesting to see because um, I believe it was the Super Friends, Super Friends was the original title from 73 to 74 with, mm-hmm. and I actually it's actually Wonder Dog so it started off with yep, the two yep. kids Ian Martin and Wonder Dog um, yep. after the Super Friends became the all new Super Friends Hour um, where they introduced the Wonder Twins and Gleek um, yep. after that became the challenge of the Super Friends right um and then um, during that is like you said, they that's when they actually introduced the Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkman, Black Vulcan, Apache Chief yeah. as Samurai. Then they went to the world's greatest Super Friends, which that lasted a year. And then they mm-hmm. went back to the original name. Then it became what was it, the best of Super Friends? And then uh, the legendary Super Power Show. And then Super Powers Team Galactic Guardians, which is when they brought in Cyborg. Sounds like you're reading the Google. Or I, I read it and then I came back to the podcast. <laughs> no, the uh, no, and and it's I think that the last thing that you know in in my childhood, anyways, was the watching the, uh, the challenge of the Super Friends. So the everything after that, yeah. aside from after, you know, the, aside from the Bruce Tim stuff, I haven't seen. That's why I wanted to see because I, I the last thing I ever remember was Challenge of the Super Friends because right, if you if right. you really. Because that really, the challenge of the Super Friends actually came out the year it was come had uh, it was the wrap up around the year that I was born because I was born in '79. So uh-huh. that was vacation when I grew up. So and again, I just remember for me, Dark Side. Dark Side became one of like my top favorite okay. villains time thanks to the challenge of the Super Friends, and um, that was it. I was like, Dark Side, greatest villain ever. Yeah, yeah, and and but again, I I, I think that it's not necessarily a bad thing because I mean, especially when you look at some of these movies. I mean, 
I'll be I'll be honest with you. When it comes to like the Marvel stuff, you know, mm-hmm. it's like you know, they've got a brilliant plan in terms of how they're rolling their stuff out and what they're doing and stuff. But you know, at some point in time, you got to wonder when is the consumer going to say, "Okay, that's uh, I've had enough. I'm done." You know, and they're going to stop going to the movies. And I think that to some degree, DC's kind of thinking the same thing in the sense that yeah, this, we got to get on this bandwagon before everything right. falls apart, and then we got to turn around and jam it out, and then because I mean, dude, or next day, or you're just gonna have you're just gonna bring Joel Schumacher back to you know no. do that stuff again. No, no, you know what no. I mean. Please no, please dear God no, <laughs> please no. I'm just saying that, that that's that's where it will end up going if they try and push the issue. I think they they've actually got a plan where they're gonna say they're gonna jam it out, you know, as as quickly as they can while the while the fad is still 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 going, and then and then they're gonna punch out. Yeah. And then and, that's, and and let's face it, there's there's always going to be a bandwagon that everybody's going to jump on. That's just mm-hmm. the way that it is. Whether it's hey, let's make a bunch of crappy uh, anime uh, movies based off of really great anime shows, and let's ruin them all. Mm-hmm. Avatar: The Last Airbender, Dragon Ball, God Almighty. You see, it is, speaking of anime, did you see the um uh Ghost in the Ghost in the Shell? Next question. Oh, so no, you have not. <laughs> oh, I did. Oh, okay. How was it? I have not seen it, and I'm don't, curious to see it. Don't, and, don't, no? don't, really, don't, huh. don't, don't. It's that bad. Really, it is. Well, okay. First off, I love anime. Like. I, I watched the original Ghost in the Shell. I love that movie. I really love that movie. So do I. This. Gave, like, this one tried to put make every fingers on every part of your, all ten fingers that you have, middle fingers, and basically pointed them all at to the anime and went, screw it, we're going to make our own crap. No, it's that bad. Really, because it looked like, to me, it looked like that the uh, the previews were pretty spot on with the original. It looked really nice, and then it lost its translation in the whole plot and the storyline. The only, okay. the only thing that they got really right was who the character is, like what she is. But even then, uh-huh. uh, the portrayal of her, just it wasn't her. It It's kind of like, um, it's going to remind you too much of how they butchered Eon Flux when they made it a live-action movie. Uh, well, that's what you get when you get like a super pretty girl to take the lead. Yeah, but in all fairness, I think, if I'm not mistaken... I think this is the major, first major uh, film because I think Scarlett Johansson was actually the producer on this, right? I think so. And I think this is the ma- first major film that that she produced. So I mean, I mean, maybe it's a growing pains thing in in terms of your career or whatever. But you know, I mean, you know, and then to do the starring role, I mean, that could be a little bit excessive but you know what you got to give her you got to give her kudos to some degree in the sense that i mean mean, mean, everybody tries i I mean i'm not saying that people don't try it's just when you're going to take a brand that's popular 
Okay, guys? Right. Um, everybody out there in Hollywood, you're going to take a brand that's popular. Have somebody, anybody. I don't care if you go, all right, guys, we're having a contest to see who's the super fan of this because we want to bring you on set. That way you could be the person who goes, ah, no. I mean, obviously, you can't translate everything from its original into a movie because a movie has a, a limited amount of time. Because let's face it, not everybody's going to sit in a movie theater for three <laughs> days to watch the full thing. I'm not. Well, yeah, I'm but I mean, if you're, doing, if you're basically doing a re- remake of a movie, I mean, how much more time do you need? I mean, movies oh, like, are already, I mean, movies used to be like an hour and a half long. Now, now they're, they're two like and a half. Eight. <laughs> now they're three days long. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's like, I'm not, you know, I mean, I remember, like, as an example, I remember as a kid watching reruns on the TV with the, uh, of the, uh, was it the animated, uh, The Hobbit, you know, oh, Lord of the Rings oh, and stuff, you know. Oh, that was actually the first thing I, that was like, when I heard, you know, we're doing Lord of the Rings and da 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 and I'm going... Dude, I remember The Hobbit, and I just remember right. the uh, the Goblin song. I can hear it so clearly in my head. Like, it's the only thing that I actually remembered from it. Because let's face it, dude, I love that, and um, The Last Unicorn were probably the cartoon movies when I was a kid. Yep, or, you know, it's right up there with, like, uh, Ricky Tiki Tavi and uh, mm-hmm. Simba the White Lion and you know, stuff like that. But but the point being is that they turned around and took a virtually a TV movie that was an hour long, and Peter Jackson made nine hours of movie out well, of yeah. an hour long. But at, the <laughs> you know? at the same retrospect, the cartoon was based off of the book. Peter Jackson was actually a fan of the books. He had read them, and he pretty much went, I am going to try to take this book word for word and put it into my movie. Okay. And then he had to do two versions of it because we had to have – And again, I, and, but this is, this, is, this, is the, this is actually a salute to those who did the animated thing because if you can crush that much story down – and actually, you know, from a storytelling, pers- you know, uh, perspective, and be able to, you know, convey all of the information, you know, in in that store in in an hour, that's pretty darn impressive. I mean, and, and this goes to this actually goes back, you know, going back to the comics thing. Um, you know, this is a this has been a you know from when I when I started doing the doing comics, you know, I had a very very hard time with trying to figure out how are you going to condense a single story into a book. So I, I, I didn't. You know, I mean, the first five issues are the origin story. It was supposed to be three issues, and I couldn't even condense it down into five, three. So I went to five. And then the fifth issue was like a double-sized issue. So it's you know <laughs> virtually six comics just to tell the origin story. Now, you know, and, and, you know, you know, to be honest, I mean, that's pretty poor storytelling, you know, um, you get, yeah, you get to delve into all these characters and so on and so forth, but you're not, you know, I mean, it's not, is it really moving, you know, moving the plot, so to speak. So like after the second trade, which is, uh, you know, the second storyline, which again is another like five issues, um, I, I, you know, I decided I was going to make a concerted effort into trying to tell 
a story and one issue. So I'm doing like a, uh, a handful of one and dones, you know, and it's it's tough. I mean, it's really, really tough to tell an entire story, uh, an entire comic story in 22 pages. Right. Now, if you take a look at, you know, again, going back to, you know, the, the 60s and, you know, or, you know, even the 40s, 30s and 40s. I mean, these guys were telling complete stories in, I mean, you look at Detective Comics 27, right? Okay. The, the introduction of Batman. Mm-hmm. The origin story was not 22 pages. No. I mean, they they got to the point, bang, 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 knocked it out. You know, and it's a complete story. You know? And, you know, for some reason, I, I think that, it, and maybe it's just the, you know, just the, um, I don't want to say that, the, that we as a society have become more mature, but, I mean, we're definitely... We want more. We want more depth, it, you know, as as a as a consumer or a or, or a fan or whatever the case may be. You know, we just we want. Okay, we don't look at take things at surface surface value anymore. Um, and I think that you know you can't just touch on things and and you know get away with it. Everybody wants to know. Okay, what's what's behind all of this? What's the backstory? What what's, you know, what's what are these all these underlayings, you know, two things. And then they want it to be explained to them. The beauty of being able to or the beauty of doing the one and dones or the short stories and so on and so forth is that or just glossing over the whole thing, I think personally, is that you're allowing the the reader or the uh the consumer or the you know the the um you know the, the whoever you know whoever's reading it checking it out or whatever you're allowing that you're giving them the opportunity to fill in the blanks and make up their own story as far as the background stuff i mean this is one of the things that i really love about like and this is why i told jay as an example uh why he should absolutely keep to the short story format with uh with Mary Monster is that you know don't you don't have to spell it out for the fans you know let them create their own backstory you know let them you know be cuz i i think that in all fairness it's a bit of a you know it, it's that trade off it's that you're sharing something with the fans and the fans are feel more invested because they're they're involved, you know. And where were you not to tell, tell George? Story. And where were you to be able to tell George Lucas this? That way we wouldn't have Star Wars prequels. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't at Skywalker Ranch. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, and, and that's you know, and that's the thing. I mean, and you know, to the Star Wars thing. I mean, you ever see that uh, uh, the video? You know, I mean the that, the Rogue One thing, and I we talked about this with the boys. Oh. Or when do we not talk about? Yeah, but when do we never get to talk about Star Wars? I we know, talk I know, but but I mean, I, and they're, one of the greatest things I ever saw, like on the interwebs, was uh, you know somebody had posted you know on one of the social media platforms or whatever, 
like a video that they that they they videoed like their girlfriend or somebody and some gal watching the end of Rogue One. You know, and it was just the just it was like a split screen thing. Her reaction to you know the the tie into New Hope, and I'm like, this is you know this is exactly the way it should be done. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, it was all up until the point, you know, where they actually catch the little Corellian, you know, mm-hmm. cruiser thing. You know, I mean, it was it was nice to, you know, I mean, and, and to see somebody who's turned around and watch, you watch this whole movie, which is literally, it's a, you know, it's, a, it, it's basically the Bay of Pigs, you know, going on in space. You know, and uh-huh. you're like, yeah, yeah, well, but with stormtroopers and and rebels, and which is which is super cool because you get more of the, you know, you get less of the whole, you know, the the, the mysticism of the force and you know that mythology type stuff, and more of the literal guerrilla warfare of the rebellion itself. You know, and then you throw that in, and then all of a sudden. You know, at the very end, it's it. You know, it all ties in, and it's like, who's this creepy dude dressed in black that's just smoking people left and right using his magic? You know, but it, I mean, it was it was it, that video was super cool in the sense that you know, I mean, just to see somebody's reaction to to it because it, it, that that same reaction that we all had in the movie theater that we were, you know, you know, I mean, it doesn't get doesn't necessarily get videotaped. You know, right? So it was, it was neat to neat to see, and and but you know, again, Rogue One as an example. I mean, you turn around and you say, like, you know, with the first three films, when I say the first three, I mean the middle three. Um, they were the real you know, three. They were, yeah, they were they were genuinely told as as one and dones, but mm-hmm. like, but you take the 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 first trilogy. And it was not necessarily, those were not, and this goes back to my point, is that they weren't one and dones. I mean, you can't sit down and just watch one. You know, I mean, the cliffhanger was so, you know, so, I mean, it was it was so leading. I mean, that was the beauty of New Hope, in, in my opinion, was that you could have watched New Hope and not watched anything else and been done. Yeah, the first you one know. is one. The first one it does do well as a standalone. The, right. the obviously the cliffhanger at the end of Empire, which let's face it, Empire still is probably one of the best Star Wars movies ever created. Thank you, it's such an amazing movie. Even though yes, it does it does end on a complete downer, but it's just so freaking awesome of a movie. Which is why if you go back and then you watch that special edition, they hardly touch it. Why? Because it's just that great of a movie. And then, of course, you have to have the conclusion, which is return. Um, right, right. What I think, is, what I think uh, Rogue One did is, yes, it can be a standalone movie, but is it a standalone movie? No, just because of the ending. Because of the ending, it's not a standalone movie because if you try to watch it as a standalone movie, it does leave you as a cliffhanger because you see you see that last glimpse of Leia. Yeah, but, I mean, you also have to keep in mind that the the sequel to Rogue One was done in 1977. You know, so I mean, but, it's not like it's a it's it's not really. I mean, it'd be one thing if it was, if they did that and then turn around and then made a new hope next year. 
you know. But that's you know that's not the case. So I mean, it, it was a neat little. I mean, if you that 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 scene, that's the epilogue. That's not even part of the story. Right. You know, that's it, but it's, something. But that, it's kind of like um. Do you remember? You remember um John, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm-hmm. All right, and then they came out in 2011. They did the thing, and everybody was so afraid because they were thinking that this was a remake, and it really wasn't. It was a prequel, and it does again. It does, other than the fact that the very ending, it does stand out on its own. But they did. But Rogue One did the same thing that the 2011 The Thing did. They made it to where you can watch this movie and completely enjoy it without ever seeing the original. And same mm-hmm. thing with Rogue One. You can actually enjoy this movie without ever seeing four, five, and six. Right. But the ending does tie into the original, which is funny, and it ties in so perfectly to the original. You can actually go and watch the 2011 thing and then go straight into the original, and you don't skip a beat. <laughs> it doesn't skip a freaking beat, and it's beautifully right. done. And Rogue One did the same thing. I do have to say this about Rogue One. I am um, I, I love the fact that, I got a little upset in the middle of it because there's the point where Orson Krennic goes and sees Darth Vader on his planet in Darth Vader's castle and uh, on Mustafar. And I'm like, oh, there's my Darth Vader. There's my Darth Vader. And then somebody was like, hey, why don't we make Darth Vader do a really bad pun joke here? And he goes, be careful not to choke on your aspirations, director, while he's force choking him. And I'm going... Who the hell allowed Darth Vader to be funny? Because that doesn't fit his personality at all. Uh, you know what? I I disagree. Because I mean, he, he pulled the he pulled the same. It was virtually the same joke uh, later on, where he uh, he choked out. Uh, uh, I don't remember what, what movie or what the character was, but he like basically smoked one dude and turned around and and said, you know, to the to the next guy in command, but in the comment that he made, he actually gave him a promotion. Okay, well, the first time he actually showed somebody was Admiral Mahdi in Star Wars A New Hope, and he's all like, I find your lack of faith disturbing, and then Tarkin's like, release him, Lord Vader, and he's like, as you wish, and then in the Empire Strikes Back... uh, Must have been Empire then. Because he uh, smokes somebody, and then he turns to another guy who's like a captain at the time. Oh, you're talking about, oh, 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 um. And then he says, uh, I hope you don't, you know, do not disappoint me, Admiral so-and-so. So So he literally uh, gave him a promotion right there. It was like a field promotion or, you know, right there. I I actually know this scene. I know this scene very well. And actually, I actually, um, we were playing Star Wars Trivial Pursuit, and everybody went, how the hell do you even remember this? So it was uh, Captain Ozzel who came out of Lightspeed too quickly, which alerted the rebels that they were there on Hoth. And um, he goes to talk to Vader, and Vader force force chokes him. And then he goes, uh, and Captain P-8 is there. And he goes, I hope that you do not disappoint me, Admiral P-8. And it's like, yep. can I not get this promotion? Like, this would have been my, dude, I appreciate it and all, but I, re- no, I don't want this promotion. Right, exactly. But, <laughs> no. that's, but it's the same gag. It is and it isn't. 
like there was like this there was this more i don't know i didn't feel the sternness behind it as i did with the whole choking or when he was choking krennic there's a more sternness about this of you failed me for the last time choke you are now dead you you're getting promoted don't you do it again you saw what i did to this fracker like i will force choke and i have no problem with it well but but i think that that's and you got to look at the if you're looking at just the, the oh god we are really getting in the weeds on this um if you look at like a new hope i mean vader was really kind of taken you know taking orders from from tarkin right and that's the thing is, is, is as a kid darth vader's your big daddy darth vader right. no kid. no i'm i'm just saying that like in the original in the original trilogy he's taken orders from from tarkin and new hope but after that He's literally working directly for the em- emperor, so huh? which gives him way more free reign in empire. You know, so like the reason, like I mean, in all honesty, if if Tarkin wasn't even there in the first place, Homeboy would have been choked out in Rogue One. <laughs> oh God, smoke! Yeah, he would have been dead. But because, but, be, but because uh, Palpatine turned around and said. No, you're gonna go work. I'm I'm basically subcontracting you out to yeah. Governor Tarkin. You know, you got to do what he says. And I mean, of course, you know, Vader turns like, around and says, "Well, you don't like it if I smoke this guy." Even Leia calls it out. I thought I'd find you holding Vader's leash, and I'm just like, "Right, exactly. <laughs> you're a dog." <laughs> exactly, and that goes exactly to my point. I mean, he was like subcontracted. He's like. Vader in the New Hope, Vader was a mercenary. <laughs> but, but then, but you know what? Even with the really bad pun, let's face it. That was a, at the end of Rogue One. That is probably going to forever be a moment that us Star Wars fans will remember till the day we die, because that was like the most ass kicking scene ever. Because let's face it, back in the back when they did the original, she really couldn't. You know, um, in the very first one, you actually did have. Um, uh, David Prowse in the Darth Vader costume when right, he was right, doing what they want. So there wasn't a lot that they could do because David Prowse was a huge guy. He was a bodybuilder. They right. didn't even get a stunt double for Vader till um, Empire. Um, and just seeing Vader, that was just such an like. Now I can well, see why everybody's like, "Yeah, the, he terrified the, the crap." That was and that was the that was exactly and and it was exactly the scene that we needed as fans in general because I mean when you turn around and you take Vader who is honestly the baddest mofo in the in a galaxy far, far away, um you you turn around and say, why is he sword fighting like an old man against Alec Guinness? I mean, smoke this motherfucker, you know? I mean it's just it, it it was it was it was a little bit of a I mean when you think about after you know everything kind of gets built up especially through Empire with you know you got Luke that's jumping around with a midget on his back you know doing flips and stuff and you know standing on his hands and you got Vader who's literally the baddest mofo in the galaxy and this guy just stands like a statue and just swings around a you know a, a you know a flashlight. You know, you're like, dude, how is this guy really that bad? You know, that much of a badass, right? But then again, 
Look at look at but what then, they did but, in and, Empire. And two, they actually but, but, fixed it a little. No, I say I say they go go back to uh, or go flash forward, if you will, to uh, episode one. You got Darth Maul, right? Mm-hmm. You've got you got Darth Maul, you got Anakin, and you got or or you know you got Darth Maul and and uh, you know he's he's a full on this guy's a straight up ninja, you know work and his magic and then you go to episode two and now you've got like obi-wan and anakin are like doing some crazy stuff with the force this is what the force is all about right so you can you get the whole thing with okay yeah obi-wan is you know he's an old dude you know in new hope he's not going to be jumping around like he's in the cirque du soleil well see here's my carry on but I mean, the thing with but the thing with Darth Vader is like, dude, I want to see some legit force, you know. I mean, kind of stuff. You, I mean, all the stuff that like Darth Maul was doing. We when we saw Darth Maul doing all that stuff, it's like we want to see Vader doing that kind of a thing, and I that's think, what Rogue One gave us. I don't. I don't need to because here's here's my theory. So yes, Darth Vader is mauling down rebels at the end of Rogue One. Then you get to Star Wars Episode Four, all right? And he stands there, maybe one or two swings of the lightsaber. He holds Obi Wan. He knew Obi Wan was going to sacrifice himself. Why put in the energy? When you get to the Empire, he's still not as brilliant with his moves, but he plays it smart. What rewatch Empire? The original Empire. Darth Vader holds his lightsaber with one hand versus Luke, who's using two. He uses one hand the entire time he's battling Luke and using his other hands to force you push stuff into Luke. Showing Luke how powerful he really is. He didn't have to be a jumping jack flash to defeat Luke in Empire because that's how strong he is. He doesn't have to use two of his hands or actually move until Luke gets through some more training to where he actually gets to the point and then he actually defeats Vader. That's where, and and basically, if you pay attention, it's almost like Vader underestimated him, but then again, Luke actually taps into the darkness that he has, and then Luke pulls back away. He was at that threshold of he could go one way or the other, and if you really watch the progression, I think that's why you don't see Darth Vader being a badass, because he knew he didn't have to be, because he's like, yeah, I'm just going to knock right, this right. kid he's around. A, in this. It's, a, it's like a cat <laughs> playing with a half-dead mouse. Pretty much. It was like the direct point. Hey, Vader, if you could not do all the really cool stuff, that'd be great. We need to fill in a run time for this movie. So if you could just throw some stuff at your son, that'd be great. All right, go. <laughs> right. No, I, I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, I liked, I, I liked the, the, you know, I mean, it wasn't, again, end of Rogue One, it wasn't him, you know, turn around doing a bunch of backflips and stuff. But there was... Oh, what? It was just the way he was, he was definitely. He was definitely. He was the homeboy. Was definitely on a mission, and uh, he was you know fastest point between point A and point B, or fastest you know right uh, through everybody path between point A and point B is straight line. This guy was just smoking it. But you know, you, no, you're right. You, to your point, it's you know everything after that. It was like, hey, you know what? They're all coming to me anyways. You've got you two know? types of coming after you. You have this one that looks like it's Kermit the Frog on acid, just jumping everywhere. Which, <laughs> right. it, it's very chaotic looking. Which does grab your attention. Or the, I'm gonna walk like a 1980s serial killer, and I'm just gonna walk towards you. 
I'm always going to catch yeah, it. That's I'm exactly it. Bader is Mike that's Myers. That's what scared the hell out of me. The one that just popped up behind me, and I was like, I was running at full speed for an hour, and I turn around, and they're still fracking there. That one scares the hell out of me. The jumping jack flash doesn't scare the hell out of me. It's just impressive looking. Right. Well, you know, I mean, but and that's but that the cool thing about that is you have that um, that contrast, like in what was it episode two, where you've got you know the the fight between Dooku and uh, and Yoda, you know, where Yoda turns around and says, "Okay, I'm going to get my game on." Turns <laughs> around, and starts doing all the flipping, and he's, of course he's fighting the old dude. Who's moving like like Vader in in you know the original trilogy or whatever? And, but, and it's I impressive. Go, and then turns around and says, "Oh, boy, I'm going to be sore in the morning afterward." The word afterwards. My mind sees uh, Yoda walking up because he hobbles up and then he pulls out the lightsaber and like in my mind I see him going, "All right, <sighs> all right, got some cocaine. Let's go." Like what the hell? Wait, wait, huh? What? Like I don't. He looks like Kermit the Frog just did fucking crack cocaine. Right, right. I, I, I thought it was cool, especially at the at the end and where he turns around, because uh, I mean it was definitely one of those things where, yeah, this isn't this is you know I I need to uh, I may have to change the number on the old sleep number here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm not like cool looking. I, I will give credit where credit is due. The Yoda versus Dooku was a way better fight than the Yoda versus the Emperor because that one kind of oh, yeah. sucked. Yeah. And you know, I still want to know. I, I, I still have to ask. I, I want to ask George Lucas this one day. Alright, so, ending of uh, episode three. There's Obi-Wan standing in front of Anakin going, Anakin, I have the high ground. Um, Dude, that didn't stop you when Darth Maul had the high ground and won. So what made you think because you had the high ground here, you were automatically going to win? Like, seriously, like, did you did you forget what happened between you and Darth Maul? Darth Maul had the high ground, and you still well, were able to beat him, cut him in half. Yeah, but you got two, I mean, who, who, taught, who taught Anakin? Qui-Gon? <laughs> Original, well... Yeah, he started it, but didn't really get very far. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, it's like, you know, as a, you know, I mean, and, and this is, you know, maybe a, a generalization in terms of the whole teacher-student thing. I mean, you can even go to, like, you know, go into a martial arts thing or whatever. Do you no, think that the master is actually going to teach you everything he knows? But I still would have, I still would have done a better line. Like instead of going, well, I have the high ground because that's just, it just seems funny after you know you've already seen episode one. I would have been like, I I know all your moves, bitch. Don't try it. Yeah, and that's. I think that that you, could, you, could, you could you could easily switch out that dialogue and it would be exactly the same. But yeah, that doesn't necessarily that may not translate to the to the audience really as well. Oh no. I don't know. I'd love to see Obi Wan stand as a going. What bitch? I know all your moves. Try it. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I just yeah, want to like, hear Obi Wan. I, I taught you everything you know. <laughs> I just now want to hear Obi Wan calls. About, that's like, you know what? That's like that's like bitch. that's like me getting into a fight with my father. You know, <laughs> fist fight. You know, I mean, it's like homeboy's like seventy years old, and it's like he's still gonna kick my ass. You know why? <laughs> 
<laughs> you didn't teach me that. everything. <laughs> yeah, and it is. You're right, because like if I, it's like me trying to go up with my dad on anything. It's like crap. This guy taught me everything that I know, every trick that I will ever try. Yeah, my dad what did he hold me. back? Is, <laughs> is the question. So, because I don't know how many times I was like, I don't know how many times in a day, my mom, my mom looks at me and goes, "Stop looking at me like your father. Stop doing that like your father. Just stop being your father." And it makes me realize I will never be able you know, to go against Wait a minute. Just, just, out of, just out of curiosity, and, you know, this is a, you know, I, I, get, I get the same exact thing from my mother, and my parents are divorced. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that has a lot to do with it. I'm not going to delve into your personal information. No, my parents are divorced, so it is well, hilarious. That's, that, that's exactly where it comes from. It's like, it, it, let it go. How long have you been divorced, man? You've been remarried uh-huh. longer than you've been divorced. Or, you know, or, or longer than you were. You've been remarried longer than you were married to this guy. You know, you stop stop carrying the grudge. I don't think it's it's the grudge. I just think it's because my mom, um, my parents didn't have the best relationship. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. My dad married my mom because she was hot, and my mom married my dad because he got her out of the house. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I, I I I don't think it's a grudge because my dad does the same thing. There are certain quirks that I have that my dad goes, Okay, Marianne, and just call like where my mom goes. Oh, stop boy. looking like your mother. My dad flat out just calls me my mom's name, Marianne. Dude, seriously, seriously. Yeah, see, I like, don't. I definitely don't have that issue. I got, I got my mom that busts on me for being like my dad, but my dad's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, my, very much like my father. So I mean, he's like, you know, I mean, he. he you know, it's funny because my my dad was probably one of the more intense people. You know, kind of, and I have a I have a bit of a silence. <laughs> you went silent. I have a no. I have like a what I like to call foot and mouth disease. In in the sense that I'll, I'll say something and then all of a sudden everything goes silent, it, which is generally the first clue into, wow, you maybe I stepped over the line. Um, <laughs> now my my father also has the same same issue, and and generally it's it, it comes from a joke in the sense that you turn around and you, oh, yeah. you, you you make a joke, you say something funny, and Unfortunately, not everybody thinks it's funny, um, <laughs> which is and, – and I used to think, wow, man, this guy is just, you know, pretty crass. You know, as a as a younger, you know, the younger version of myself, I turn around and go, wow, this is – that's pretty hardcore, man. I mean, you got to chill out. And then now it's like – it's to the point where my dad's like, dude, you, you might want to shut up right now. You know, I mean, I, I've actually, I've, I've actually surpassed my father in terms of being an asshole. We have more which, of that. Which, in all fairness, I'm actually pretty them. proud of. We have that. We have I, I, sort of, kind of the same thing, except for we have a comeback when no one laughs. We just kind of like do that whole Jared thing from Labyrinth and go, "Well, laugh." 
They were funny. <laughs> and everybody's like, or you just okay. running, you, say, you, you say something stupid and nobody says, nobody, there's no reaction. And you go, but I'm bum. And then turn around and say, get over it, you pussies. That's, that's actually a line. Or the, or the, one of the other ones is, you you just you make the joke nobody laughs you just go you uncultured swines and you walk out the room <laughs> like you guys just you guys are so stupid you don't get it it's still funny I'm walking out of the room <laughs> like you make a dramatic exit like oh, I'm good it was funny you walk out you do the yeah do the exit stage left <laughs> right even <laughs> but yeah so, oh so anyway yeah. So wow, that's a that's a lot of chatting about stuff and you know, hey, by the way, I'm back from San Diego. <laughs> Don't you just love how our conversations always go in a completely different right direction than when we start? Tangent. No, I I and and that's that's the problem with having a, a, a time limit on these things. So you get rolling on something and it's like, Oh, well, we don't even get to talk about what we got together to talk about. I still have time. All right, well, let's, uh, no, no. I mean, I, I wasn't making, you know, I wasn't saying, hey, we're running out of time. I was saying, you know, it's it's funny how we go off on tangents. Um, so, yeah, That's San what Diego. What do you want to know about San Diego? Um, Can I go next year? I don't have a problem with it. I want to go. I have a place to stay. I just need to get there now. Well, you know what? There was a, uh, um... I saw somebody, I saw a tweet, um, it was either today or yesterday, but it was, uh, there's this thing called the, uh, the SDCC blog, it's the, they're, they're, they coin themselves as the unofficial, uh, San Diego Comic-Con blog, and it's, it's basically, and they run like a podcast and all kinds of stuff, they do pretty much the same kind of thing that you do do some comic stuff, they do the video game stuff and, and whatnot. Um but the uh they had a they had a post that was something along the lines of like, you know, oh, you didn't get to co- go to Comic Con, you know, here. Here are some tips on how to get in next year. So I mean you might want to check into that in terms of, you know, like how to get, you know, registered and get tickets and you know, I mean they've got those, these guys Sleep with old. somebody on the board? What's that? Sleep with somebody on the board? No, no, I don't I don't think it's that. <laughs> I mean it's just a I, I don't know, maybe they are, but uh you know, and if they are, well, I guess kudos to you if that's, you know, if that's your scene. Uh but no, I they they do have in this is for for the listeners. Um, you know, if if you want to go or whatever, or at least at the very least, uh, you know, maybe you may not want to go next year, but maybe the year after or whatever, go ahead and you know do the go through the motions this year, and you know try and get your registration number and your member ID and all this other stuff to try and get in line, and maybe you don't get in this year, and and if you do, you say, well, it's not going to fit my fit my schedule, but you're already kind of in the system, so to speak. Well, I still plan on going next year. I mean, from what I see, there's plenty enough for me to do outside that I actually don't even have to get into the convention. Well, yeah, 
Yeah, there's there's plenty of stuff, but you definitely want to get in. Just just someday, get look, 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 someday I'll get in. But I mean, in all fairness, for you, it should be pretty easy because you can get in. You can get in on a press pass, right? Uh, they charge for their press passes, and they're expensive. Well, they charge for every pass, and it's expensive. <laughs> it's San Diego Comic Con. And, and, and I, I don't, I don't know. In all honesty, I think what I'm going to do next year, I have a friend that lives like two or three blocks away from where the convention is being held. Uh, so mm-hmm. he already said that me and my crew can actually go there and stay there for free. So, hey, that's already saving money. Yay. So that, that just means I just have to come right. up with flight and food for everybody. And I figured we just hang out on the outside and do what we can from the outside and kind of like build the reputation that we want. Something that I told you before that I want to build a reputation, send it to San Diego, show them what we could do, show them that we could bring the Comic Con back to, because let's face it, in all honesty, yes, they are San Diego Comic Con, but they're a multimedia convention because there is uh-huh. actually a difference because they have celebrities and everything else in between. They're multimedia at this point. But showing them, hey, look, you know, you have people who cover your big multimedia stuff. You don't right. have people covering your smaller stuff. Let well, me it, cover your smaller stuff. Exactly to your point. There's actually, and I don't know if, I don't recall if it happened this year. But I know in years past, there's been like a the anti uh, Comic Con kind of a thing, where it was like they had it, it. It was a loosely organized kind of event where it was like that went along with Comic Con, but it was like literally across the train tracks, mm-hmm. where they do like a. It's like hey, this is comics only, and it's like all independent stuff and. And whatnot. So I mean, that could their coverage there would, you know, not necessarily a bad be a bad thing. I I, I mean, I'd have to you'd have to look into, you know, what what the heck it was. But it was like a, you know, it was it was almost a a separate con that was going on, like right across right. the street kind of thing. I mean, let's face it, eventually San Diego will see how famous that I'm actually going to be someday, and they'll just be like, hey, we need her at our show. Let's just face it. I'm that awesome. Wait a minute. They don't know it already? Obviously, it's getting lost in translation from Ohio to California somewhere. I've just got to fix the line of connection somewhere. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's not surprising. So are the politics. But, yeah. I'll get there. But, It'll be mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, no, we're not going there. I'm, you know, it's, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely fantasy life. land out there. Just like I'm gonna get my YouTube plaque someday. I'm getting that YouTube plaque. I want it. It's mine. So help me God, I'm gonna get that plaque from YouTube. I want it so bad. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, in general, the show was pretty. I, I think it was, you know, overall, I think that it was pretty good for, uh, for the for the comic scene, uh, more so than it has been in the last few years. Uh, nice. You know what? There's there there were several things going on. A, you know, didn't have like quote, you know, you didn't didn't quite have like the big. You didn't have like, well, first of all, you didn't you had the Disney thing that happened the week before, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was like all of the big Marvel stuff, big Marvel announcements, and all the the uh, Star Wars announcements were there. But they weren't at San Diego. 
Right. You know what I mean? I mean, the only thing that Marvel announced at San Diego really that they that they that they really pimped was I think the Black Panther stuff. Right. And I don't know, maybe Disney's racist, I don't know. But um <laughs> that was tongue in cheek for listeners. Um no, the mouse is it, God. How dare you blaspheme him? Yeah, I know exactly. But I mean, it, that was the only thing they did. It was like all the Infinity War stuff and stuff. That was all done at the Disney thing. You know, the new Star Wars stuff that was all done at the Disney thing. I mean, so like all that San Diego was kind of left with was Game of Thrones, Outlander, and you know, you know, whatever. You know, right. And 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 the old and an old like you know uh, Justice League you know preview kind of right a, that's that's pretty much so I mean it was pretty it was pretty quiet on the uh, you know from for the most part on the panel front which basically puts more people you know more fans on the floor which which is only nice. which only benefits you know the the comic people really. And right. I know I know Sean as an example did had a had a really really good show. Um I I had a pretty good show. I mean it was like it was definitely the best best show that I had there. Um So I mean it, it was it was nice. I mean but the other thing is the the big change that I saw or the the big thing that was, you know, the the big change in, you know, the the consumer was there were an awful lot of strollers. And I don't mean like strollers for, you know, you know, to to carry all of the exclusives that people were collecting. I mean, they legitimately had kids in them. Ah. So parenting done right. Take your kid to a comic convention. Yeah. Well, and and that's what and that's that's a big thing. This is one of my one of the issues that I've always had with comic conventions in general. Was when somebody comes rolling by, you know, whether I'm in RSL, any small press, or or whatever the case may be, you always got these, you know, parents that keep pushing their kids through a comic convention, and the kids like, hey, you know, this is, you know, you know, how about, you know, this? I want this. I want that. I want, th-. and kids are gonna do that. That's, you know, that's what kids do. But I mean, it's like this is the next generation of fans, you know. And, you know, and, and this isn't, you know, coming from a selfish standpoint in the sense of, like, you know, hey, let your kid buy my stuff. I wouldn't let your kid buy my stuff. But, <laughs> you know. I let the, my kid buy your stuff. Well, uh, it's, it's pretty brutal, even from my, you know, from from my perspective. Um, but the, the um, you know, it, it was nice to see people that were, like, walking around with more kids um, more kids were kind of into it. You could see more, there were more kids like walking around in their little, you know, like Kmart costumes, you know, dresses, Iron Man or whatever, you know, just getting into the scene. So, I mean, it, there is definitely this next generation of fans that are coming up, you know, for, for, for the whole comics thing. And, you know, I mean, it, it's good to see that. Um, oh yeah, and it, and it's good to see the parents including them in it. I mean, it used to be where you'd have, like I said, you'd have parents that are walking through and they're telling their kids, "Don't touch that! Don't touch that! 
or no, you can't play with that. It's mint in box, or you know, whatever the case may be. You know, I still like, do that. Don't you dare open it. But but but, <laughs> but, but the but the thing is that 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 was the case forever, and and now it's like, you know, parents. It seems that more and more parents are getting getting their kids into it, and they're they're turning around and saying, ah, you know, the hell with it. Rip it o- rip it open. Go play with that stormtrooper. I don't care, you know. And that's, you know, but I think that with the advent of some of these, uh, like, for instance, you take, you know, you can have, you know, somebody turns around and gets, like, a collectible Wonder Woman statue or whatever. They can turn around and buy their kid a DC superheroes doll. Right. They, yeah, rip it open, have at it. It's, it's a freaking Barbie, you know? <laughs> you know, but, I mean, that's in in to some degree that the, 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 you know, everybody's kind of worked to that market, but it's it's a smart idea in the sense that it's like now you're you're gaining fans, right? You know, overall, so I, you know, I mean, it's a it you can turn around and look at the oh well, it's like Mattel or whoever is doing these dolls or gives a sh-, you know they don't right that's not the thing, but I I mean as long as it's promoting. The, the comic fandom, I don't care who's making money on it, you know? Right. By the way, no matter what he says, that does not give all you little kids the right when you come over to Aunt Amanda's house. You're still not allowed to open up any of my toys. Exactly. I mean, I, again, mint and box is still mint and box, but... <laughs> Do you know, not but there, there, there play are things with Aunt that Amanda's toys. The point, I, point I'm making is that at least there are things that are being provided where it doesn't have to be mint and box. Right. Yeah, and no, I totally get it. There's care. still things. You know, like my statues, yes, I do take them out of the box. I want them displayed. I want them to look nice. My pop figures. The the box it isn't like the box has tape on it or anything. So you can actually open up the box, pull them out of the box, and you can always put them back in the box to close it. The pop figures are not actually sealed when you get them. Um, but there are certain things like, you know, my classic Star Wars figures that I actually still have mint in the box or my He Man figures or Shira. No, no, those are not to be played. Do not no. No. Right. <laughs> no. And, and, you know, I mean again, it's not you know, I mean it's not Personally, you know, and and I'm I'm of a completely different you know uh, you know thought process in that stuff. It's like, did you get a toy? You play with it, man. I mean, it's not you know nothing. In, in my opinion, nothing is mint in box. Um, you know, it, it's it, but it, I also approach the same thing with my comics. You know, it, it's funny. I get my comics printed or whatever, and you know. I'll talk to some artists, and they'll sit there and say, "Oh, I got my shipment on my books and stuff, and I got to send them back, and I got to—they're gonna—I'm gonna make them reprint them because, you know, the edges are danged, you know." And I'm like, "It's a comic book, man. I mean, you, you roll it up, you stick it in your back pocket, you trade it with your buddy, you know, it's." That's you know I mean that's just you know again it's just my my perspective the whole collector mentality thing is like eh, I don't I don't not a big deal as an example I took uh, my very first San Diego Comic Con I walked right up to my wife 
my wife had a uh it was a guy that she worked with that, you know, had a handful of like comic books that, you know, like he had gotten from his mom or something that were like, you know, oh, these are some old comic books he had in the basement or something. You want them? Well, ah, whatever. And he turns around, and walks up to my wife, and says, "Oh, yeah, I hear your husband works in comic books. Maybe you might be interested in in this." Hands her, I shit you not, a first printing of issue number one of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then, so I get this thing, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Because it's all, like, you know, it's all printed on newsprint and stuff. It's first printing. You know, it's got the, uh, uh, what, the ad for the robot guy, the fusioid mm-hmm. or whatever in it. And I'm like, okay, this is this is pretty legit. And this is something that I was given to me, right? For free. Right. I walk up and, and now most people would turn around and say and immediately send the thing off to CGC, you know, wrapped in bubble wrap and all that other shit. I put this thing in my luggage, carry it to carry it to San Diego. What was this? Oh. <laughs> I got a, I got another call. I got Gonna have to tell him. No, can't do it. Um, <laughs> the uh, no. So so I I roll up, you know, into San Diego. I pull the thing out of my luggage, turn on, and like first day of the show, I roll up to uh, uh, the heavy metal booth. You know, there's Kevin Eastman, okay, who's a huge influence on me. You know, and 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 my work. You know, him, Laird, and, you know, obviously Miller, who influenced them. Um, So I go, you know, I walk up and I said, hey, man, would you do me a favor and just sign this? And he turns around, looks at it, opens the cover, looks at it, and says, holy shit. This is a first prank. You know how many issues, how many copies were in in the first, first printing? Actually, no, I don't. I don't know if it was, it was either three or five thousand. That's it. Hmm. Of the, of, so I'm like, he's like, holy shit, this is the first printing. You going to get the CGC? I said, no. I roll it up and stick it in my pocket and read it. I want to get that ink stink on my fingers. You know, I mean, it's a comic book. And he looks at me and he's like, all right, good on. Him. You know, I mean, there's this the whole collector mentality thing really, really kind of took on. You know, it's 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 become a completely different beast, and I think it's been diluted, you know, over the years for sure. But I mean, if you think about, you know, why why are comic books collectible in the first place? Well, back when comics, because somebody says so. Well, when comics re- when comics started and really were in their heyday, if you will, they were you know it was what the you know mid forties maybe you know so and this is you know I mean this is during the time of World War Two, so this is where this was during the time when everybody was like recycling stuff and trying to do you know do stuff for the war effort. So, like, all the kids that had their, you know, 19, what, 
38 or whatever copy of Detective Comics number 27. You know, turn around, their parents turn around and took their comics, their old comics away, and recycled them for the war effort. That's why they're so rare. So every time that, you know, somebody comes up with one, it's like, holy smokes, there's only a handful of these things left in the world. So then you get this whole collector mentality going. Now flash forward to the 90s, and you got, like, every every company's turning around and doing the, what, the, those old foil cover, e- exclusive covers. You know, every every comic book had, like, seven different covers to them. It was either a foil or... You know, a different drawing or or even a hologram, for God's sakes. You know, just trying to, you know, push this whole collector's narrative to it. So, I mean, it was, and, and a lot of people have really kind of... Hmm? Hmm. Oh, yeah. So, so they, they, you know, I mean, it was just one of... You know when, and and a lot of people just can't let that go. That no, guy, you can't. Well, and and look, and to each his own. I mean, I'm not I'm not even bagging on it by any means. I'm just saying that it's it's something that kind of started, and then was perpetuated, you know, over the years. But that's not you know. I mean, that's not why I. That's not why I, I don't make my comics to be collectible. I make my comics to be read, enjoyed. I want them to entertain somebody. I want them to be passed on to be entertain to entertain somebody else. You know they did. I, they entertained. You know they entertained me. They entertained me, and then they went in a bag and board. <laughs> and, and, and again, I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll be worth something someday. But you know, I mean, in all fairness. You know, I I, I got to look at it from the standpoint of like, yeah, it's probably not going to be worth anything, ever. You know, I mean, I'm I'm one in a million. You know, so. But I mean, I I, I find it. You know, that's that's just not the way that, you know, personally, that I approach the whole, you know, the whole thing. I just you know, I just I I do comics to entertain people, not to. Not to build their 401k. I don't know. Um, there, deep down, I think my collecting comes from being a hoarder. I really do. I'm the hoarder whose house is like really super clean. Right. <laughs> cause like even my sister makes fun of me because like all the ones that are in plastic, I take them down off of the walls. I I hit them with Windex. I clean the plastic off of them so you can still see the toys. Well, if you don't, come on. The 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 amount of dust. Because I live in an apartment with three cats, two dogs, and a sugar glider. The amount of dust, if I didn't clean them all the time, would be astronomical. <laughs> and I am one of those people. I clean my door frames. I clean my doors. Every Everything gets stripped out of my house and goes to the laundromat. The The window blinds get taken down every week, and they get scrubbed down. I'm, I'm obsessive-compulsive about my cleaning. Mm-hmm. But I also... Love my collection. And don't get me wrong. My entire collection is not meant in a box. I kept my toys. I could not. You know how like parents, when you remember when your parents, they would come to Christmas time and they would go through your toys and be like, okay, it's time to clean out your toy box so we can get you a new toy. The heck you are. 
Right, right. No, no, no. If you want to add more stuff to the to the to the box, you got to take something out. My parents were not allowed. If it was broken, that was one thing. But if it was in, if it was still in playable condition, like I would watch my mom and I'd be like, "Don't you touch my box?" No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's like even at even at a little age, before I knew what collecting was, I already started collecting. I already right. had that mentality. It didn't come from my parents or for somebody else. Wait, that could be worth money someday. I played with my toys. I just got lucky enough, and I could not. I could not give away my toys and so like my parents would come in to do the christmas cleaning or the birthday cleaning and it's like no like you want to you want to throw away the plastic like bowling pin and bowling ball set that's fine you touch my gi joes my he-man my she-ra my silver my thundercats or any of that and i will shake you in your sleep and that's and and that's the funny thing is that i mean to be honest even back then i mean Think about it. Who knew that this would even be that it would even be worth anything nowadays? And I think that that's you know that that perpetuates that that mentality where you turn around and you say, okay, like back in the day, you know, your original Optimus Prime is that actually one. you know actually worth something, right? And I- you know, especially if you still have the hands. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Not only do I have the hands, but every week, all of my Transformers, I make sure that their joints are okay because I every week they change. So this week, they're all in their vehicle forms. Next week, they'll be back to their robot form. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty intense. What? But, 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 but the point being is that it's like, you know, I've got, I've got you know, you know, friends from elementary school or whatever, and they've, I mean, they they still have they're passing on their original Star Wars figures to their kids, kind of a thing. And it's like, dude, those are actually worth money, you know. And you go, yeah, but that's 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 unheard of, kind of a thing. So now, yes. like, you've yeah. got everybody that's kind of on this on this page. It's like they turn around, they get everything, they get it, in, they wanted it mint in box or whatever. So, you know, who knows? Maybe twenty years later, they're going to be worth something. You know, I mean, I it's I, and I, and I'm not, you know, I mean, I again, I'm not, you know, sitting there saying, hey, that's you know, dude, are you out of your mind? I mean, I don't get me wrong, I have stuff that's mint in box too. But I'm pretty sure that it's all going to be worthless only because there was so much of it that was made for the collectors. Right. You know, I mean, it's, 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 the market is, the market is you know, based, you know, when everything is marketed towards the collector, they're going to turn around and pump out as much of it as they possibly can. Oh, and yeah. then whether it's worth something or not, who cares? They already made their money. They made Anybody their money. that's going to make any money off of it later... It's not going to be them. So what do they care? Right. And my thing is, is like, you know, like I said, I do have things that are not mint in box. And there are certain figures that I go out to find that are not going to be mint in box. You know, there are a few Silverhawk figures that I want because I don't have the full collection that I want. And I actually don't want them mint in box. I don't even care if they've been played with. I just want them to be workable. 
So well, I can and, finish my Silverhawks uh, display on my ceiling. Well, and and this the, and again back to you know the whole and it, it it's a weird it's a weird thing the whole you know and again you know I'm not judging don't don't care but the 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 you know that that collector mentality kind of a thing and it really kind of goes back to like San Diego as an example you know I did I did an exclusive for issue 13 for the Adventures of Mighty Moose. Right, mm-hmm. which is the one that we talked about last podcast we were on. Jay drew right. it. I had him do. I had Jay do an exclusive cover. I said I'm thinking about trying to, uh, you know, get this done as a San Diego exclusive. So and and you know, as it turns out, they they accepted it, and you know, it was, I had the San Diego exclusive variant cover drawn at, by Jay Fife. And um, the, you know, I, I I got the thing on the table. I had a limited run, but I had I had it sitting on the table. I, you'd have somebody that would come by, they're looking at my stuff, and they're like, oh yeah, this is pretty cool, and they're like, you know, on their way to basically walk away, and then you turn around and you say, hey, here's a San Diego exclusive, and there's your you know, dinger, and then all of a sudden they they, they buy it up. You know, and it's that 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 you know, it's that collector mentality. And I, you know, I mean, I hate to you know, uh, uh, prey on that 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 kind of you know, that kind of but is there, you know, way of thinking. But I mean, but that's, do you really want to? If that's what people, I, I don't call it praying. I don't call it praying. I call it I call it taking advantage of the. I, I'm going to say it's even praying or taking advantage. It's called I want to pay my bills. Buy it. Uh, and 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 don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I there were people that and, and and I certainly hope, I absolutely hope that because I I did take all of these exclusives and bag and board them to myself, but I certainly hope that they came out of the bag for somebody to read. You know, you know, for those that because I did, you know, you do get the people that come by, buy a bunch of stuff. Plus, you know, they'll they, I've had you know a handful of people that came by. Picked up the exclusive and the the regular issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I certainly hope that they, you know, at least those that only got the the exclusive actually crack the thing and you know, and and have a look at I it. Because again, maybe. my my whole my whole uh, my whole goal is just to entertain people. It's not. Maybe you know, one I out want... of ten probably did it. One out of ten would probably be so? my best guess. Maybe. The thing is, hmm. is unfortunately, anybody that, you know, came by, looked at your stuff, and the only thing that they bought was the San Diego exclusive, or you went, hey, look, I got a San Diego exclusive, and they bought that. Probably not, just due to the fact that they're, the, that, they're that person. They are that collector. And so it just says San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. They're expecting that means, you know, could only get it at San Diego. It's not going to be sold anywhere else, and they're going to be – and unfortunately, here's where the problem with a lot of the collectors come in, especially when it comes to San Diego or New York Comic-Con, is they they pay all this money, and they are literally there just to turn around to make a buck. They go in, right. they grab as many exclusives Done. as they can, run over to eBay, and then they nickel and dime somebody who couldn't even make it to the show that – Going well. Hey, if you really want some type of experience, give me all of your money. Don't be able to pay right. your rent, and you can get this exclusive. And that's where some of this stuff has gotten a little bit out of hand. Like I will no, I never go there to do that. I will never. 
everybody's like, well, why do you want to go to San Diego Comic-Con? One, because it's a comic book convention that I haven't been to. And I've been to almost every comic book convention that I've ever wanted to go to. And I have, and the other thing is that I have friends there. There's you, there's Sean, there's other people there that I know. And it'd be really cool to be able to be at that place and hang out with my friends. Because let's face it, as a podcaster and a YouTuber, hanging out with my friends at a convention is probably the hot, one of the highlights of going to a comic book convention for me. There, there's there's a couple things that you you touch on that really kind of delves into different things. When when it comes to like San Diego as an example, it's not it's not just a comic con. I mean it's it's really it's it, again it's become it's such a beast that it's it really it's, a, it's a pilgrimage. You know, it's not even about like being able to even bring anything home from it or even anything like that. It's just you want to experience that you know which yeah, I, I would, which i which i do think is pretty cool for the convention in itself um and and even for you know the whole the con experience the you know just i mean it's not going to hurt anybody to you know have the opportunity to you know from my side of the table so to speak to have a a, a possible fan or right. you know you know come by um which is cool. Um, the other thing is the um, the exclusive thing. You know, as you said, you know, people go there specifically for the exclusives, and this you know delves into a couple stories. I had a guy come up, walks up, looks at me, looks at the table, looks at the banner behind my table, looks back at me, looks back at the table, looks back at the banner, and says to me, "I think you're on the list." And I go, well, I certainly hope I'm on this list you speak of. And sure enough, he had, this guy had like a printout of like all the exclusives at San Diego that mm-hmm. he was like He's hunting there down. That. I got, and I, and I, I, I see him looking at this list on a clipboard and I go, I'm guessing you're looking for exclusives? He says, yes. I said, yes, it's right here. And the guy turns around, buys the exclusive, and then walks away. I mean, it wasn't, 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 not even, hey, what's your book about? Or, you know, hey, what else has you got going on? Or whatever. Nothing like that. I mean, the guy was literally there just for the collectible. Mm-hmm. And it was like, Okay, that's cool. I mean, in one sense, you turn around and say, well, you know, cool, I made a sale. But on the flip side, you turn around and go, well, there's more to it than just the collectible thing. You know, here, let me, you know, let me tell you about what the whole thing's about and, you know, where we're going with this and so on and so forth. Don't care. You know? So I mean that that side of things is a little you know I, I don't want to I mean I I appreciate I appreciate the you know the the patronage you know but it's like it's, there's more to the series than just the exclusive you know what I mean you know and mm-hmm. I I I only wish that I had the opportunity to really kind of you know kind of pitch the thing you know more as in as a you know a, a book an an entertaining comic book than just hey 
I have an exclusive. You know what I mean? But that was uh so that was that was one that was one issue. Well, not an issue, but I mean that was one 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 of the one of, one of the uh one of the bigger I wouldn't say bigger events, but one of the, one of the events I have and that really kind of sticks out. And then uh there was another one since we're on a podcast. Might as well bring up this little story. Had a couple of people. It was it was actually kind of a funny thing because I was sitting next to this guy uh, Walter Ostiel, I think is his name. Nice guy. He works on a book. Um, he's, he had two books at the at the thing. One I can't re- for the life of me I can't remember the titles. Uh, I know the guy's out of Orlando area. Um, one book Shout was out like, to Walter Nice Guy. That's it. That's what's yeah, not. Yeah, no, great guy and uh, fantastic books. He had a hardcover that was. Um, I remember the pitch. The pitch was basically what if uh, Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes and and um, John Watson were Ghostbusters kind uh-huh. of thing. And that was one of his books. And the other one was, um, oh, it was the other one was called Cubicle, and it was like a couple of like slackers in just this office format that ended up getting, uh, you know, transported through space or something, and they're just trying to figure out their way home. But you know, they're absolutely useless human beings, so they kind of force gump their way back home, kind of a thing through. All this, you know, you know, the sci-fi type stuff. Um, but anyways, I, so we're sitting there. I'm sitting there, and there's these two guys. They start chatting, and one of my, I need to preface this with, one of my biggest pet peeves at a show, is when people, you know, you're sitting there, you're at a show, you spend money to, you know, have your table at a show, and depending on the show, it's, you know. You know, it can get pretty pricey. And so you need to make up, you know, what you spent on the table plus your hotel plus your meals and so on and so forth to make the trip worthwhile in the first place. This is, for you fans out there, this is how we do shows. I mean, we need to we need to make enough money to cover our table, our hotel, and our meals to even make the trip worthwhile so you guys can enjoy, you know, what what we're putting out. So anyway, right. these uh these two these two gentlemen were, were standing in front of my table and I and I had a corner table. So I and they were like just stepping off the main aisle, like into our aisle and then kinda like, you know, having a conversation right in front of my table. And I'm like, Oh guys, you know, I mean I I don't Great. You, you can have a conversation and stuff. There's a table literally right across the way from me where that gal or that guy has not even been all week long. Go stand in front of that table and have your conversation. Don't block the traffic, you know, in front of my table because you see people that come by, they look, but they keep moving because no because there's no space to actually check your stuff out. Right. So anyways, these guys are having a little conversation, and then then a gal comes along and starts chatting them up. And, and as it turns out, I guess these two guys were like uh, producers for whatever, like 
podcast or something, and this gal that was talking to him runs a podcast. And so I'm, again, I'm just, you know, overhearing their conversation. And she's talking about, oh, yeah, I'm getting fifty to 100,000, you know, hits on my YouTube podcast channel thing, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, like a, a week kind of a thing. And I'm like, all right, it's pretty awesome, you know. Now, last person you want to, you know, piss off is somebody that, you know, could, you know, promote your stuff. But it's like, guys, I got to think about the here and now kind of a thing. So I'm sitting there and I turn to Walter's wife and who's sitting at, at, at his table while he's selling books and I'm not because people are standing in front of my table. I said, you know what, this is, you know, this is one of my biggest pet peeves is people just sitting there having a conversation in front of your table. I said, you know, I don't want to be a dick. And and as I said that, I was like, you know what? The hell with it. I'm going to be a dick. So I turn oh, around, I and walk away from, <laughs> walk away from, walk away from her, and I walk over to the, you know, and I just get into the huddle. You know, fold my hands, fold my arms, and just start listening to it. And then they like, and then they look at me like my spaceship just landed. And they're like, uh, and then they kind of look around. and They realize, oh, are we blocking? Are we blocking your table? And I was like, Oh no, no, no! Please continue, you know, continue talking, because obviously this conversation is so freaking important that I shouldn't be making money. Kind of a thing, and you know, and again, you know, I mean, it's not you don't you don't go to you don't go. Trust me, folks, you do not go to San Diego Comic Con to make money. You're just gonna lose it. But yep. I mean, you're you're not gonna, you know. I mean, don't. I've I'm already working with a handicap here, kind of a thing. You know, you're just you know you're just compounding that. So I turned around and I said, yeah, no, go ahead, you know, keep talking. I want to. This sounds really interesting. And you know, and then all of a sudden they kind of you know they get really really uncomfortable, and then the gal, you know, God bless her heart. Turns around and says, "Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, you know, didn't mean to, you know." Say, and then she went into the whole, "What do you have? What do we got going on here?" And so on and so forth. And I ended up making a sale with her. She ended up buying. She ended up buying the exclusive, you know. But it was one of those things where, and then as soon as she bought it, they disappeared. Now, you know, in the short term, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, cool, got got rid of them, and and I'm, hey, I made a sale, yeah, you know, f you, but you know, it it, it just goes to the bigger point where it's like, guys, we're trying, you know, if we can't make sales at these shows, then we can't do these shows. Right. I don't think people seem to understand that not everybody that's set up at a convention is a guest. Not everybody's a guest at a convention. A lot of the people that you see at these comic book conventions, they have to pay for their hotel room, they have to pay for the travel, and they also oh, yeah. have to pay the convention for that table, that space. They pay for that space. Yeah. That is their you, you gotta, you, No, you're you're renting a table. So and I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm not, and again, I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, it's the nature of the beast. I get that, you know. I mean, I remember I mean, years ago, 
very first San Diego Comic Con, uh, and and this is another you know he's actually you know at the time he wasn't wasn't doing uh, the the convention scene. He had been an artist uh, for for a relatively major company, and uh, but you know he had kind of moved on and then went into this whole fan phase thing. Right. And this was, I think it was the very first San Diego con that I did. And this is when, you know, like, you know, both Sean and I, uh, you know, tried to get in. He didn't end up getting in, but I did. So it was like, you know what, screw it, we'll split the table, you know. You can, right. you can, you can hang out at my table. And, these, and Sean knew these guys. Um, I forget what the hell the name of their little club was, but I used to call them the Pop Tards. Um, I don't remember. What is this something Pop? I don't know. But it was like an internet like you know group of people, and they were really big into the image and whatever. You know, big fans of like right. the 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 wizard stuff, if you will. Right. But anyways, had a couple of these guys came by. They came by to chat with Sean, which is cool, you know. But then you know, it's like the conversation kept going on and on, and and like Sean was no longer even in the conversation anymore. These guys were just like literally just talking with each other. Right. Blocking my table. The table. And, yeah. you know, again, you're watching people walk by, look over these guys' shoulders, and continue walking. One of the things that I've learned is, okay, that was something that I had a problem with is because I would go up, talk to my friends. It was something that I had to learn to either move to the side of the table. And it is something that you do have to learn. It, and, and But some people don't seem to get that. Or you do what I do now, and when you're talking to the person, you're flipping through the stuff, which gets other people thinking that you're actually talking about what this stuff is about. You're interested, so other people come over to the table, and then you back away. Now, um, yeah, yeah. Now, and, and no, you're making a great point because it, it, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like everybody is, you know, sitting there like stopping traffic. I mean, you'll no. have people, and and the vast majority of people that will come up to your table, they start flipping through stuff or whatever, they'll actually look around, and if they see somebody else that's kind of looking, they'll actually step aside and say, no, 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 come on in. Yeah, I mean, you get the, you know, the, the, the patrons that are sitting there saying, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just checking this out, go ahead, you know, have a, you know. Don't don't let me get in your way, kind of a thing. And and, and don't get me mass wrong. Mass right? And of, and, and yeah, don't don't take it as everybody just stops in front of people's tables and talks. There are people mm-hmm. that do that. And as a creator, it's not improper for you to go, hey, can you please like move it to the side, or is there someplace else that you could do this? Um, unfortunately, um, I, it's hard for me to sell if you're standing right in front of my table. And when you are at a convention, guys. Um, if you're there as a fan, and I get it, the costumes, oh my gosh, you want that picture, mm. I get it. Sometimes, 
sometimes you can't you can't move the person. So, but don't sit there and try to do a landscapey type photo. Take your photo and get moving. But if there is a place that you can move off to the side, ask the person who's in the costume if they if they can go over there so you're not blocking traffic. I do get it at some of these bigger conventions, especially yep. some of these outlandish some of these outlandish costumes. You don't have a choice. You know, you have to take the picture there or you're not going to get the picture. And as someone oh, who and, uses and, the and, pictures for blogging, I totally get it. But there still it, exactly, needs to be a point with exactly the Exactly, your point. You get, you get like a big group of people that, and, and don't get me wrong, you get somebody that's in a fantastic costume that just happens to be in your aisle in RS Alley or whatever, you know, you get a big group of people that want to take pictures. Well, when you're, you could be in the middle of the aisle, and even if I'm on the corner, if you will, People will not go down that because they look down that aisle and they say, ah, traffic's all jammed up. Right. Screw it. I'll just go to the next aisle kind of a thing. So, and, it kind and, of and, and again, this isn't, this isn't complaining about it. I'm just, you know, it's the nature of the beast and you got you to gotta roll with it. But, you right. know, for the most part, you know, to your point, it's like eh, it would be nice if there was, a, you know, basically it's more peripheral vision on – everybody else's part than you know than than what you would think in in terms of hey guys you're 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 blocking traffic nobody's going right. to come down here we got to you know and and again i mean it sounds selfish in the sense of hey nobody's buying stuff from me because you know everybody wants to get a picture of where where's waldo you know kind right. of thing and that and i really do and especially when, you know, you see that really cool costume because the, as soon as someone sees it, someone takes the picture. As soon as you get them stopped, everybody with the camera is going after it. So well, it is kind of nice or, to try to move you over get, to the or you get the people, Or you get the people where it's like you get the big crowd, you know, and, and this, is all, this is also a, a funny dynamic, is that you get like the big crowd that are trying to get the picture, and then you get another crowd that come walking by, and they say, "Hey, what's going on down there?" You know, and, yep. oh, it's just somebody getting a picture of something else, and then they just keep moving, right? Kind of a thing. But, so, I mean, it, it, there's there's several different layers of this, the this thing, and and you know, it, it's 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 tough to it's tough to um, tough to navigate for sure. It really is. And speaking of navigating, we are down to the last three minutes, so we're going to have to wrap this mm. up. So, because <laughs> if not, this is just going to automatically cut off, and there is no goodbye. So, <laughs> you know what? Sounds like we haven't talked about anything. No, we didn't. There was nothing in this podcast. It was complete silence. It was total crap. No, <laughs> I didn't get to the point. Got to get the wrestle boys in here. We'll get to But don't worry, Josh will be back soon with Sean and Jay. We'll have our big old meathead podcast think, here soon. I think the 15th is uh, maybe good for Jay. So uh, The 15th is booked. It just got booked. Okay. So see if he can do it the week after. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be busy with the uh, World Series. So. We'll see. We'll, we'll work out something. Unfortunately, somebody that I've been after for about, oh, two years finally agreed to finally do a podcast on the 15th. So I'm taking okay. it. <laughs> gotcha. But, um, gotcha. Guys, 
But Josh, it's always so much fun to have you on here um, and just chit chat oh, and talk about whatever. I love having it. It's one of the few times that a two hour podcast goes by so quickly, even though it's supposed to be a one hour podcast. And of course, again, thanks to all the sponsors. Real quickly, where can they find you on social media? Oh, me. Um, yes. Let's see. I am. I'm still on the Facebook. Uh, and uh, I've got the fan page, the uh, the Adventures of Mighty Moose on the Facebook. I have my Instagram, which is whatever the call sign is. I don't know. It's a, but you know, just look up Josh Warner, and then uh, same thing on the Twitter and the Tumblr is the Adventures of Mighty Moose as well. All right, and of course, for everybody, you can catch AGP basically everywhere on Instagram, Facebook, the website. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitter. Everything is Amanda Gillen Presents, except for Twitter. It's Amanda G Presents. On that note, I have 15 seconds. So, Josh, say goodnight, everybody. Good night, everybody. See you all next time. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18.